0: In Jesus' name. So, if you were here for the marriage conference this week, you got to have a taste of someone who is cut from the same cloth uh, as we are here at CRC. He loves the Lord with all his heart. He hears Holy Spirit. And This morning, uh, Caleb gets a rare day off, and we have our marriage conference speaker who blessed us mightily on Friday and Saturday night. And Mark Kreske, uh is here from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's a pastor from Victory Church. His wife, Natalie, was supposed to be here next time to do over. And his son, Jude, um, but she fell ill. And so we have Mark with us this week. Mark has a passion for marriage. Mark has a passion to invest in families. He's a foster parent. He has a heart like ours for missions in the local body. So would you give a hearty, hearty welcome to Mark Kresge this morning. (laughs) How are you doing, church? You doing good this morning? You look good this morning. You sound even better. Man, that was amazing worship. Can we give it up for the worship team? I was, man, I was lost. Like, that was amazing. And, And then can we just take a moment to give it up for your amazing pastors? I don't care if they're good golfers or not. I mean, this is, come on. Pastor Caleb and Haley, uh, so grateful, you know, even just over the last couple of days, being able to connect with them in these small moments, um, really just get to see your heart. Uh, obviously, just being foster parents and your heart for family, but your heart for the local church, they have such shepherds' hearts for this community. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, that's, that's not always the case. And so just being able to talk and connect and to see the way that they create space for marriages and families to be strengthened and reinforced, I mean, that's kingdom work. That's some incredible stuff. And so uh, I just want to take a moment to just honor the two of you, really. Um, I know, like, this is the times where you're kind of, like, supposed to do this. But, man, I just, there's something special in the two of you. And uh, if we can, can we just maybe stretch our hands towards them? I just want to pray over them. And uh, during worship, I just felt we needed to pray over them. And bless them. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you uh, for Pastor Caleb and Haley, for their family, for their kids. Uh, Lord, we just bless them this morning. We thank you, Lord, for an outpouring uh, of anointing and grace and provision, God, in every way. Father, I thank you for the dreams that you've placed in their heart, Lord. The kingdom assignments that you have attached to their life before the foundations of the earth. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've been setting things in motion, Lord. That as they talk, uh, even in secret in their home, God, that the dreams and the passions, the um, Lord, the dreams for this community the dreams for reaching people, the dreams for advancing the kingdom, uh, for making a, an impact in the foster system, God, that there's so many things, even the things that are still dormant that haven't raised, uh, been raised up yet. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're already going ahead of them providentially, Lord, and you're doing significant things. And so, Lord, as a community, as a family this morning, as a church, we come around them, God, and we bless them in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you would strengthen them. Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would fill them to overflowing. And God, we thank you that this church will be blessed as a result of it. God, thank you for the way that they lead their team, for their, just their relational uh, capacity and love for people that is so genuine. Uh, Father, we just thank you for it. Lord, that you would call many more people to be a part of this team and this leadership and this church. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said amen, amen and amen. Well. Um, that's Pastor Brad, uh, who is awesome, by the way, man, that, that guy was, he was cooking steaks in the rain, like he was doing everything, come on, can we give it up for Pastor Brad, uh, his wife, amazing, amazing dude, uh, and uh, excited for that, but, but I have a message for you this morning, I'm really excited to share it, I've been, uh, just be, been here the whole weekend, and uh, really getting to know this community, and I uh, just want to just say thank you for the opportunity, it's been awesome to connect with you, and, and be here, my, my wife, uh, she does send her love, she did, uh, uh, fall ill as Brad said and so yes and so she's been uh getting some rest and some and she's getting better which is good but um I got a message for you this morning that uh, I was praying about a couple of weeks before I got here and just asking the Lord what does he want to share with this community of people uh because I don't know you and you don't know me but the good thing is is the Holy Spirit knows both of us and so he can communicate and he can speak and he can prompt and so I'm excited for that this morning so uh do you have your Bibles in the house come on did you bring your Bible to church Okay, some of you are searching. How many of you have got the glowing Bible? Let me see that. All right. How many of you got a paper Bible? Where are my people at? Come on. I got a little bit of both. I try to, you know, connecting. Okay. Uh, so good. So we're going to talk this morning about the secret to satisfied. Be- the secret to satisfied that we see uh, in Scripture. And there's this great passage uh, in Philippians chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. In fact, he's writing a thank you letter. And uh, when you read this, this, um, this letter, it's amazing because he's writing it from a prison. He's writing, he's been, he's been in chain for preaching the gospel and for advancing the kingdom, and so being a Christian, right, he's been put in prison, and uh, he's in this place. But the Bible, it's amazing that even though he's writing this from prison, that the Bible um, shows us in this, this particular book that it's, it's all filled with joy. Like the theme of Philippians is joy. Uh, it's satisfaction. It's contentment. Uh, it is peace. And the Apostle Paul, he really is a great example for us as we uh, look into this. So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10, are you ready? Are you ready? Ah there you go. <clears throat> Verse 10, here's it. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I've ever been in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it's with a full stomach or with empty, with plenty or with little. Verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So this morning I want to talk to you about this idea of the secret to satisfaction. You know, there's this, um, this working definition I use for contentment as I've looked it up. And contentment, uh, for, our, for our purposes this morning, is an inward, satisfied, peaceful disposition of heart. Contentment is an inward, satisfied, peaceful disposition of heart. I, I like to say it this way, it's being okay even when things are not okay. It's being okay, even when your circumstances are not okay. And I I just, I could probably say this, is that something, this is something we all want. This is something we all desire. And the Apostle Paul this morning is gonna teach us how to step in uh, to that place. So one more time, let's pray. Father, we love you. And we just invite you into this room. Lord, we thank you that you're already here. You're speaking to us. You're convicting and encouraging. Lord, that you're guiding, you're leading, you're filling us today with your spirit. So we invite you, Holy Spirit. Speak to us today. Give us eyes to see ears to hear. Both are a gift from you. So Lord, we thank you for that. Give us hearts to perceive and to comprehend the will of God for our families and for us individually in this room. And name by name and person by person, I ask Holy Spirit that you would speak today. That in my weakness, you would be strong. That you and your voice would be prominent today, Lord. That Jesus, you would be lifted up. Lord, that we would walk out of this room looking a little bit more like you because of your your spirit and because of an encounter with you and your word today. So we thank you for truth to pierce our hearts, and to change us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, You know, when I first, uh, so um, as I said, I I actually live in Oklahoma now. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I'm originally from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and here's what's been so awesome, is I'm finally getting some cheers for Pennsylvania. I've been living in the Midwest. There are no license plates of Pennsylvania. Are there any Pennsylvanians, like, in the house? Oh, wow, this is amazing. This is family. You have no idea how excited that is, how exciting that is for me. So, but I moved here from Pennsylvania uh, to, to Oklahoma, and uh, when I got there, I went there for Bible College uh, at Victory and you know, gave my life to the Lord, needed some discipleship and some training. And so you know, I, I stepped in, and I said, okay, I'm going to be here. And so uh, like a college student, I needed to get a job. Like, I mean, that's a good thing, right? And so I kind of packed up my car, went down, and I started looking for jobs, and I got a job at Walgreens. Everybody say Walgreens. Yes, I was exciting. And, uh, you know, I I remember when I was working at Walgreens, it was honestly uh, a very dark season for me um, because I was making $8 an hour. And uh, I was living off of ramen noodles and, and Bisquick pancakes. You know, I was like, it was a rough season, but, but, you know, I was grateful for a job. And so I get in there um, and I would go to Bible school in the morning, right? And I would be into the word and I'd be like reading all of this about Christ and the gospel and righteousness and all that God has given to us in his son. And, you know, we'd be in worship settings and God was moving. I would feel so filled, so satisfied, so good. And then I would go to Walgreens for work. Right, And I would go to work and I, for whatever reason, there was a manager there named Chad. Everybody say Chad. You know, I don't like him already, right? You just hear his and you're like, ah, sorry. If your name is Chad, I'm really sorry. Um, but Chad, right, Chad was an interesting guy. Chad hated me for one reason. I was a Christian, right? And I was a new Christian. Like, I had just, like, really stepped into the faith. And this guy was, like, wanting to, like, um, have arguments and debates with me about Job. I was like, bro, I'm trying to figure out the Jesus thing. Like, I'm not Job. Who's Job, right? Like, I just was like, and and he just was like, you know, and he was just going off. And he just let me have it every day. So I would, like, I would leave school content and satisfied and filled and joyful and happy. And I would go into Walgreens. And I would go, and this guy was just letting me have it, right? While I was, like, straightening, like, you know, the rock. And the pancakes and all the different things, straightening my shelves and working the register. And I'm just gonna be honest with you, it had a way of sapping my satisfaction. It had a way of pulling the contentment right out of my soul, right? Like it was not a fun season. Uh, On top of that, there was one particular day I was working the register and I was up front and I hear some commotion in the back, right? We have a pharmacy back there and there's some commotion and I just hear some yelling. I hear some people raising their voice. I see, you know, there's a little bit of drama taking place and apparently there was an individual who was trying to get some prescription medication that didn't have a prescription for Uh, and this is the type of medicine you want a prescription for. And so he goes back there and he's talking to the pharmacy and he starts raising his voice. And finally they're like, listen, sir, you have got to go. You cannot be here anymore. So he storms out and I was like, wow, thank thank God that's over. And um, the next thing I know, we get a phone call right at the front, at the front register. You know, so I pick up the phone and I was like, this is Mark. Thank you for calling Walgreens. How may I help you? And, uh, and it's the pharmacy tech who is in the back having this argument with the man. She said, Mark, Mark, thank God that you answered the phone. She said, I just went out to my car. I was leaving for my shift. And she said, you know the man that was screaming and yelling inside there? I said, yeah. She's like, he just went into his car. I saw him grab a gun, and he is walking back into the store. And I was like, and so immediately, like, whoa, like some panic. And I look up, and I kid you not, the man is standing directly in front of me. And I was like, okay. I was like, awesome. So so I'm like trying to speak in code. I'm not really good at it. But I was like... So I was like, okay, Sarah, can you call mom and dad and tell them what's going on? She goes, what? I go, can you call mom and dad, my authorities, and tell them what's going on? And she goes, Oh, the cops, the cops, the cops. And I was just like, oh my goodness. So thank you for calling Walgreens. I hang up the phone. And and I look up and I just and I just I look at this guy, you know, I'm terrified, he's freaked out, and I'm just like, hey, how's your day going? Ooh, bad question, you know? And I was like, and he's just like, it's not good, and I was like, me either. So he starts like, he's making me nervous, I'm just, so I do what any good charismatic kid would do, and I just start speaking in tongues, like right there at register one, and I'm just like going off. If you don't know what that is, we'll talk after, but we're like... You know, and we're, we're, I'm just going off in tongues. And so now, now he's not just angry. He's freaked out. I'm freaked out. This is not a good combination. And so he starts pacing, you know, back and forth. And the next thing I know, you know, those doors in Walgreens like the, they like open up as you get, maybe not that dramatic, but the doors, they open up. And as this man is walking in front of the doors, uh, uh, just cops just, whoom, I mean, just tackle this guy, right? Right? Tackle him to the floor. And it's just like this dramatic, crazy moment. And uh, here's the crazy thing is that they actually never found a gun. Like, that was the I think my prayer actually I don't know as I was praying in the spirit maybe that's what you know took care of it um I, I don't say this I remember thinking to myself why do I work at Walgreens like that day man but it had, I don't say I would go to work and it had a way of just stealing contentment stealing satisfaction uh from my life and I think we all kind of have a Walgreens type of season or situation right everybody say Walgreens Right? Don't you have that kind of stuff? Maybe it's a relationship for you. Maybe it's a season, a job. There's like that thing, right? Uh, maybe it's just kind of life in general, the, the ebbs and flows, the ups and the downs. Like we find ourselves in this place where it's hard to be okay, even when things are not okay. Like maybe you feel a little bit behind in life or maybe you're experiencing some things that you didn't see coming or you didn't expect, right? And, and sometimes what happens is that we fall into this trap. We fall into this trap of like, I can be peaceful, Right? When there are no problems, I can be satisfied in the perfect season, like when things are just curated correctly and rightly for me, right? Like I can be content when the circumstances change. And that's a tension I think that we face, right? Like I don't know how to be okay even when things are not okay. And, and the reality is, is that it's not really working for our society. I actually read this in the American Psychological Association. They published multiple articles, like in Huffington Post and Times and several others. And here's what they said. It's full of data uh, that people in America are generally discontent in life. You're like, shocker, right? Discontent in life. The data found that people are typically stressed, sad, or have low-grade depression until they hit their 70s, right? So there's like some light at the end of the tunnel. And so they're like, okay, there you go. All right, but if if you're a Christian, right? If you're a Christian in life, right? The Bible's super clear if you read through Timothy and Hebrews and all throughout the New Testament, is that the expectation and the call to the Christian— It's to be content. It's to be satisfied. It's to experience an inward, peaceful disposition of heart. That's the call of Christ for the believer. This is the expectation that he sets for us. And this morning, although we walk through these tensions, what the Apostle Paul wants to show us this morning is, how do we step into satisfied in every season? How do we step into, I can be peaceful regardless of my problems, that I can be content even when the circumstances are not ideal? Because that is God's will for our life. That is a reality that he has for us if we will express faith for it and receive it. So one more time, Philippians chapter 4. Are you ready to jump right back into scripture? Here we go. Verse 10, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now, I love this right here because Paul, again, he's writing from prison. He's, he's shackled to a guard. Historical tradition tells us that sewage probably ran somewhere through this prison. This was like, like bro, you are in need. <laughs> like, like, this is not ideal. This is not a, a comfortable situation. And I love that he says, like, not that I was ever in need. I'm like, dude, you're in need, my man. Like, this is not the best scenario for you. And I love he's saying, it wasn't that I, I wasn't happy. It wasn't that when your money showed up, like, I'm so grateful for it. But it wasn't that when your money showed up, my happiness returned. It wasn't that when your help showed up, I was no longer sad and depressed. He was saying, I have learned whether it's plenty or little, no matter what the situation is, I have learned this secret of being content and being satisfied. In verse 12, he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And here's what I love is that this isn't hypothetical for Paul. Right if you know anything about the apostle Paul that he was the pharisee of pharisees like this was the man who came from education who came from status this man had money like he knew what it was to not go without he knew what it was to be like at the top of his game to be the successful person that people want to be like and he says i've been there but at the same time he gives his life to Jesus and Jesus calls him on this mission and on this mission of preaching and teaching and proclaiming the gospel as he should boldly he is imprisoned and he is beaten And he is whipped, and he is stoned, and he is mocked, right? And he knows what it is to go without everything in his life as well. And so he's saying, this isn't hypothetical for me. I've been at the top, and I've been at the bottom. And no matter where I find myself, I feel an inward, peaceful, satisfied disposition because of who I'm connected to. I love this in verse 13. Here's what he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, you've probably read that a million times in your life. You may have. Maybe you're new to this, right? How many of you have that tattoo, right? I could do everything through Christ who gives me strength, right? And he's saying, this is the secret. It's being connected to this man. It's being connected to the Son of God. It's by trusting in him that I'm finding something that is not found within myself. It's because I'm connected to a source of another person. I love this. So point one, if you're taking notes, is this. Is that contentment comes from trusting Christ. Contentment is the direct result of your faith in Jesus. That as I trust in who he is, and I trust in his promises, as I trust in his availability and his presence in my life, his his, um, ability in my life, right? There's a strength that I find that is not from within myself, right? And so what he's he's not saying is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me so I can run a marathon, right? Because it's, it's Christ who strengthens me. Uh, I can I can crush and and do amazing in my finals at school, even though I didn't study, right? Because it's Christ who strengthens me. My football team could beat your football team, right? Because it's Christ who strengthens me. This is not what he's saying. He's saying that I can walk through every circumstance. I can walk through all the trials. I can walk through the ups and the downs of my life because of one reason. I can do it with joy, right? Because my, my source is always consistent. And my source is Jesus Christ. Because he is always consistent. I can be consistent with joy because he doesn't fluctuate up and down because he's not back and forth because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I always have a resource to find peace and joy and satisfaction in my life because he is always consistent. I mean, just think about that. Think about this this idea that, that he is powerful enough to do something about your situation. He's loving enough to want to do something about what you walk through. And he's wise enough to know how to do something about it. And what Paul is saying is I'm connected to that guy, the one who filled me, the one who gave me his spirit, the one who came and adopted me when I was an orphan in the spirit, the one when I was spiritually dead, he came and he he brought resurrection life, the one who died for me, like the one who rescued me from darkness, that is the one who I am connected to in my life. First Peter 5, 7 says, that's why it says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you, because he cares for you. And I think sometimes when we walk through difficult situations, like that is the question that we have in the back of our mind. God, do you even care about this? Do you even care about what I'm walking through right now? Do you even care that my my son is in this situation? Do you even care about the loss that we're experiencing right now? Do you care about those things? That's a very human need, right? God, do you care about this? Like you say you love me. You're powerful enough to do something about it. You love me enough to want to, wise enough to know how so so you do even care, it's kind of like the disciples you remember in Mark chapter 4 where they're out on the boat and they're, they're struggling all night, right? rowing and they're trying to make it to the other side and, uh, and Jesus is, you know, remember Jesus he's just kind of taking a nap in the corner you remember that, like just, like just what a G like just in the corner, doesn't care not concerned, right, and here's what the disciples say they come running over and they go Jesus, 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 we're gonna die and here's the question they ask do you even care do you even care like, do you care that we're struggling right now? Do you care that we're walking through this storm? Like, do you even care? And Jesus gets up, and you remember the story, right? He rebukes the wind and the waves, and they calm down in that moment. And, and the disciples have this revelation of, oh, truly, he is the Son of God. And then Jesus turns to his disciples, and what does he say to them? He says, He said, oh, oh, ye little faith. He's saying, why didn't you trust me? You see, in the moment where these disciples are freaking out and their emotions are everywhere, right? your emotions are a pretty good indicator of what you really trust in. right? Your emotions are not to be the driver of your life, but they are the lights on the dashboard. And so when you find yourself in a season, right? I, I, don't, I don't freak out when I go to sit in my chair because I trust it's going to hold me. So when I face difficult things, that my emotions can be calm, I can be at peace, I can be content knowing that Jesus is the one that holds me. That I can trust in his sovereignty, I can trust in his ability, I can trust in his love, in his care for my life. Uh, It reminds me of the time that I actually, um, it was the first time I ever went on a roller coaster, and some of you actually may know of this, in Dorney Park in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And uh, I went on a roller coaster for the first time when I was seven years old, uh, and it was a roller coaster called Steel Force. And oh my goodness, I had never been on a roller coaster before. Uh, I didn't actually know I was terrified of heights at the time, and, um, but I am, and so um, talk about contentment. And I remember I was seven years old, and I have two very loving brothers, right, uh, older, loving, incredible brothers. And they said, Mark, let's jump on a roller coaster together. I said, great idea. And so my dad said, hey, I'm going to come along with you. And so my two brothers, Jim and Chris, they get in front, and uh, my, my dad and I are sitting in there together. And you know, you know how it goes, right? You kind of, you know, hands inside the cart, you know, while it's moving, and all of a sudden, you know, kind of thing start, starts taking off, right? And you get that little, right? So you feel the anxiety, right? And um, and so about halfway through, I was like, oh shoot, I, I don't like. Heights. I was like, this is, this is not good. And so I start panicking. I start sweating. I start feeling anxiety. I'm like, what is happening? And so I just start to lose it. Right. And I am like crying. I was like, get me off this thing. Right. I'm, it's like a 200 foot roller coaster. I'm hundred feet up. And I'm like, I'm jumping. Like, this is not, you know, I'm like, this is not good. Let me out of this thing. And I'm freaking out. Right. My two evil demon possessed brothers in front of me, they turn around and they are laughing. I mean, they are just like, look at this seven-year-old. I'm like, what is wrong with you? This is actually good for me to get, this out right now. I feel this is, um, and they are just like losing, right? And so and I'm like, I'm losing my stuff, right? Everything is chaos. Everything is like, what, this is not fun. And I turn and my dad, he, he grabs my arm. He goes, Mark, look at me. And I go, what? And I look at him. And he goes, hey, I love you. And I was like, okay. And he goes, and he, trust me, I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And as I looked my dad in the eyes, and I, and I just thought to myself, in and, and the moment, he said, I love you, I'm here for you, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And I trusted him in the moment. And you know what happened when I trusted him? I felt peace. It was wild. In the moment that I went from anxious and freaked out and dissatisfied and all the things of chaos happening internally, in the moment that I looked my dad in the eyes... And he said, I, you can trust me because I love you. And this man from the very beginning who has provided for me, who has protected me, who has nurtured me, who has shown up for me, who has proved again and again and again that he is a faithful father in my life. I trusted him in a moment. And as I trusted him, peace was the result. And then we were like, ah, and I was like, you liar. You know, we went down the thing and I was like, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. Um, but, but, but this is the result. And this is what he's trying to say. He's saying, as you trust in your heavenly father, the one who loves you, the one who's called you, the one who has filled you with a glorious hope. That's what Romans 15, 13 says, right? It says like like God, the source of all hope, will fill you with peace and with joy as you trust in him. That the Holy Spirit will cause you to overflow with hope as you connect in your union and your faith in him. It was why Jesus said, when they said, don't you even care? He said, hey, why don't you trust me? why don't you have faith in me? The one who holds your life together, that he holds the whole world in his hands, but does he hold my world in his hands? Like that's the question that sometimes, and so if you want contentment, if you want peace, satisfaction, really it comes down to a question, do I trust Jesus with my life or not? And he calls us to this place of living in that way. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus in the middle of the problems. And so even when we face loss, even when we, we, Run into situations that we didn't expect. Even when we walk through difficulties in our life, we don't have to lose joy. We don't have to lose peace because our source is consistent, and that source is Jesus Christ. Number two is that thankfulness creates contentment. You guys with me this morning? Thankfulness creates contentment. Again, Paul is writing a thank you note. He's sitting in a very dark moment, he's chained to a guard, really bad situation. And he chooses thankfulness, and that thankfulness actually creates contentment. I actually think it's cyclical. Create, I think that there's a, a contentment that creates thankfulness in your life, and then thankfulness begins to reinforce the contentment in your life as well. But choosing thankfulness uh, in your life, and I, I think it's amazing, right? And I just, we could tell on all of us this morning how easy it is for us to be ungrateful. Have you ever just thought about that in your life? Like, it can be really easy for me to shift from gratitude into being a very ungrateful person. And, you know, I actually, I went through, I came across this Twitter feed uh, a couple years back, and it was called Celebs Complain. And uh, I'm I'm actually going to talk about this a little bit today. I'm going to preach for you from Celebs Complain. And um, Twitter feed, and I just actually thought to myself, you know how there's just certain people in your life where you hear them being ungrateful, right, no gratitude. And I'm like, bro, what do you have to be ungrateful for? You are rich. I was like, you have status, right? You have notoriety, right? You have all the comforts you could ever want, right? You spend time on a yacht. Like, like, man, like, what are you complaining about? Have you ever thought that before? There's people that you're connected to, okay? Don't look at them now, but, right, like, they're there. And, right, and so, and they're just complaining all the time. And it's funny, we justify our own, uh, you know, um, ungrateful spirit at times, right? Because, like, well, I have some things to be ungrateful for, not them, right? And so sometimes we could look at, you know, the rich and the famous, we could look at celebrities and we go, man, they got really nothing to complain about, right? So let me read a few of these for you. Uh, number one is, I'm going to try to keep the names out of them, but number one, board selfie on my yacht because the jetpack isn't working lame. Really? Okay. Number two, my grandmother, my grandmother is making me take out the trash. I'm rich. I'm out. Amazing. That was actually 50 cent. I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I hate Christmas because everything is closed. Who says that? Uh, I need excitement in my life. I'm so bored I am losing my mind. Last one here. I hate when they put olives in salads and still have pits in them. So gross, like I want to dig around in my mouth for that. Amazing, right? These are celebrities, right? These are the rich, the famous, these are the top of the society in so many ways complaining about olives and Christmas for Jesus' name. Amazing. But you know what I thought would be really cool? I actually talked to your staff, and I was like, you know, the staff here, and I said, hey, what would be really awesome is, could you comb through some of the posts and the tweets that this church actually does? And can we see where there's been, like, ungrateful kind of weird posts like that? And can we gather some of those and put them on the screen? So go ahead, just turn your attention to the screen. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. (laughs) You're like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Oh, man kind of savage church do you think this is? So good. You were like, he's going to get you. You're looking at your spouse. He's going to get you. This is it. Uh, next marriage conference. Okay. Um, you know, but I did, I read an article recently that said 30 to 40% of people daily complain about something right? And you're like, ah, oh, it's not a shocker, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's easy to hear, like, you know, people, like, complain about some things in their life, right? We find ourselves uh, in this way, right? But but First Thessalonians chapter 5, I love this, verse 16, this is Paul writing again to the church. He says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, like, no matter what you face, this is God's will for you, right? He goes, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus, right? Because Every situation that we face, he said, it's always appropriate to be thankful. Every circumstance we're in, it's always appropriate. It's always God's will to choose thankfulness no matter what we face. This is what separates us from the world. This is what creates the reality of of just saying, listen, you're a kingdom person. You belong to Jesus. And discontentment, you know, it whispers that you always need more. Right That feeling of just like i don 't have enough, I look at this person, I look at that person, and I see this status quo, and I just i don 't have everything I need I don 't have enough in my life. right That was what Adam and Eve fell to God said i 'm going to give you every tree in the garden except for one, and discontentment bred in a deception bred this this desire to say listen i 've got to do more, and they stepped outside of the will of God for their life, but but I love thankfulness because thankfulness and gratitude it. It's this this opportunity to look at your life and say, oh my goodness, I'm winning, right? Isn't that amazing? Like when you just choose gratitude in a moment, like God, like I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for my husband or my wife. I'm so grateful that I have a job at Walgreens, right? I'm so grateful for these things in my life. Gratitude is like this, this scoreboard, right? Looking at the scoreboard of your life and go, oh my goodness, I'm winning. Like, I know that there's things I don't have. I know there's unfulfilled desires. I know I'm walking through a painful situation. But when I choose gratitude in a moment, the discipline of gratitude, I actually remind my soul that I have a great life and that God is moving in my life. And here's what he says, is you can always be grateful, even if you have the worst of the worst life, for one reason, you belong to Jesus. What a beautiful revelation, right? Because he said, listen, each of us were born disconnected from God. We were born spiritually dead. And he said, but God loved you. And he chose you. And he came after you. And he rescued you. And he loved you so much that he sent his one and his only son. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And his son, he let him go to a cross and to die and to be pierced for our wounds and to be whipped and to be beaten and to be murdered on a cross. And he he willingly laid his life down for you and for me, for all of creation, because he loved us so much. And the moment that we express faith in Jesus, we are resurrected on the inside. The old is gone and the new has come. There is a brand new life that is available for us. And he says, and you have been given access to that. And now you have the hope of heaven. Not only does heaven get into you right here and right now and you have kingdom assignments and things that God's called you to, but my goodness, you are going to pass from this life and you are going to step into glory. So no matter what you face in the temporary, right, we can be grateful for the eternal. He's saying God has given you a a reason, a trump card in every season to be grateful and to be thankful because of what Jesus has done for you. This is his will. Last but not least is be satisfied, but don't settle. Be satisfied, but don't settle. You know, it, it's amazing. That, did you know that you can actually live with unfulfilled desires, but still be content? I feel like this is the secret that Paul knew. Like, I could actually have unfulfilled desires in my life. I could have things in my life that that God hasn't, I felt, maybe he hasn't answered that prayer yet. Maybe that promotion hasn't come yet. Maybe that family member isn't saved yet. Like, maybe there's something in your life that is still you're longing for. But it's not that you have to find this thing to come to fruition in order to have your peace. And that's what he's trying to say, is that I could have peace no matter the situation, even when I'm praying for something, even when I'm contending for something. I can have unfulfilled desires and still have peace and contentment in my life. Matthew 7, 7, I love this, it says, Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people or imperfect people, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask of Him? I just want to end real quick with just a story, um, personal story. I, um, you know, my wife and I, we got married, uh, we've married almost, like, 10 and a half years. You know, the, the halves count to me, the 0. .5s, are, they matter, right? right? Every month counts, that's good. And, uh, and so we married 10 and a half years, uh, celebrated 11 July 1st, and we got married. And I, it's funny, even before I was married, I just remember, like, I, from a young age, I always wanted to be a dad. I don't know if that's normal for kids or not, but I just remember when people like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, a dad, you know, they're like, all right, that's weird. And, uh, but, but I just did. I just, I remember always wanting to be a father. Like the youngest of ages, at least at one point, right before I met Christ, I actually wanted to be a dad, but not get married, right? We worked it out, like it all got, it's all right, good, it's all good. But um, but I wanted to be a dad, like from the youngest age, right? And so my wife and I, we get married and, uh, you know, we kind of do the whole family planning thing. We're like, all right, we're going to wait one year, right? And after one year, okay, then we're going to like start moving towards, you know, this uh, this kind of family building kind of thing. So we do the first year, we're in ministry, you know, we're serving the young adult ministry, all that kind of stuff in our college at the time. And uh, so, okay, one year comes, okay, now we're going to start building a family and we're going to try for a kid. And so, you know, we start trying for a kid, right? And we're, it's amazing the whole time we're serving, but this was like a desire of the heart. And, and we're, we're like, we're trying for a whole year and like, we're not getting pregnant. And we're like, man, a whole year. Okay, wow. Okay, well, so two years in, right? So we start, you know, trying for a kid and we're two years in and still there's no kid. And right? And then three years in, we're trying and we're like, man, like something just seems to be off. But, but you know, we're gonna continue to serve our community. Like right now, like I, I, listen, we're gonna choose satisfaction. This is such a desire of my heart, but I'm gonna choose contentment. I'm gonna be grateful for the opportunities we have in front of us and we're gonna trust God with this thing. And so three years in, right? No kid, four years in, no kid. Five years in, no kid, right? Like, and it's just, and and it's a season for us that is still hard. It's hard because from the, from the youngest, I just wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be a father. And I'm like, God, I just don't know. Like, are we going to have kids in our life? And I would, I would continually lay this before God. We would go on mission trips and we would serve our community and we would disciple young adults and we would preach the gospel. And we did all the things that God called us to do because we chose to be satisfied, but we are not going to settle. We're satisfied because God is our sufficiency, because his grace is sufficient, that in our weaknesses, he is strong because he fills us with glory and peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Like we're gonna, we're gonna anchor ourselves into this relationship with Jesus. And in the moments where we're, we're emotional, in the moments where we're hurting, right? That the grace of God rushes into those moments and just sensing the satisfaction of Jesus, no matter what unfulfilled desires are happening in our life five years in six years in this is happening and so but man the whole time i mean i'd be at a conference i'd be at a marriage thing man we would be out strangers i would pray with strangers in a restaurant they'd be like what can we pray with you about i was like i want a baby and they were like okay um like we don't know you but all right let's pray and um and so we would pray right so we would be we would be satisfied but we did not stop contending we would be satisfied but we said but god we're going to keep coming to you about this and we started asking God, what is your will? What is it that you desire for us? Right. And so we're five and a half years in, and we go, okay, maybe God's calling us to the place of adoption first, because we knew we always wanted to adopt and you know, foster care is a part of our reality. And so we said, Man, like maybe that's what God's called us to. So we started taking steps towards that. We met with an adoption agency and we sat down and read all the stuff and started signing papers and taking steps and putting money down and um kind of this, through this whole process. And I'll never forget, December 21st, it was in 20, uh, 2016, December 21st, there were some traveling ministers that came to our church and preaching on a Wednesday night, and they had shared about how they adopted these twin little girls. And we said, oh wow, we're, we're going to adopt, we're going to adopt, let's go talk to them. So afterwards, we go and we talk to them, and we're like, hey, tell us your story, tell us your journey, we're actually about to adopt. And it was the weirdest thing. He just looks at me and goes, but do you want to have biological children? I was like, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's something we're praying about. It's been five years, but yeah, we're praying about that. He said, you know, I pray for people when they get pregnant. And I was like, "That is that on your card? Like, I don't like, that's a weird, you know. And he goes, uh, and so, you know, he's like, no, I'm telling you, when I pray for people, they get pregnant. My wife and I. I said, "Okay, well, pray for us." So December 21st, he prays for us. It was awesome, right? And so, so I, I leave. I went to uh, I went to Africa for a few weeks, and I, I came back, and um, and so we're still we're about to kind of take the last step of our adoption journey, like put down a significant amount of money. And my wife and I are sitting at the kitchen table, uh, and all of a sudden, um, my wife goes out to check something from the front porch, and there's a note there with two little like baby shoes, like these little baby booties, these like little uh, blue ones. And there's a note there from one of our friends, and says, "I just felt." God tell me to give you these blue shoes uh, because God's going to give you a son and he's calling you to not give up and contending. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking at the door. Right? God wants to fulfill this desire in your heart. Love the heart for adoption, but God also says he wants to give you a biological biological child. And so my wife grabs it. She comes in. I'm like, what? Weird timing. Like We're literally about to do this. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh. And I go, what? She goes, I think I should actually take a pregnancy test. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah, like, I think I should take a pregnancy test. So I sprint into my car and guess where I drove? I drove the Walgreens, right? <laughs> yeah. I drove the Walgreens and I was like, God will redeem your story. Right. And I, and I grabbed a pregnancy test, the most expensive pregnancy test I could find. And I was like, I'm not even paying for it. I'm just kidding. I did. And I, and I ran into my car and I get there and she takes the pregnancy test. And after six years, right, she's pregnant. All right. And she has, it was amazing. And so But here's the thing, it was in that season that God actually birthed in us a desire for adoption and foster care at a whole nother level. It was in the waiting season that God cultivated something on the inside of us. It was in a place where we actually had unfulfilled desires and we chose contentment and peace and satisfaction because you know what, Jesus, my savior, is always consistent. My circumstances will change day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, but Jesus never changes and he always makes himself available at the moment that you draw near, he draws near to you and he fills you with peace. He fills you with joy. He fills you with righteousness as you trust in him. And he cultivated something on the inside of us that we're a part of today. And I just, can I show you a little family picture? This We had a little boy and uh, his name is Jude. I don't know if you can see him right there in the middle. Uh, He is four years old and man, he's a little handsome hunk. I love him. And uh, he's four years old, but we named him Jude Samuel because he's our little testimony because Jude means praise. It means worship. Samuel means God hears and God answers. Like our little boy, he is our testimony of what it's like to have unfulfilled desires in your life, but saying, I'm not gonna settle. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop seeking, knocking, praying, asking. And we're a part of the foster system now. We help out as, as, as uh, not pastors in the foster system, but parents. Uh, sometimes it feels like pastors as well in the foster system, and it's good. Uh, but we're a part of this, right? And this is a, God's desire for us, right? Is that we could be a people who trust in Christ. And as we trust in him, right, he fills us with contentment, with peace, with satisfaction. When we choose gratitude, it brings us back to the scoreboard of our life and say, wow, we can choose gratitude every day. I don't know if you've gotten used to this or not, but I woke up this morning and I looked at the ocean, right? I live in Oklahoma and I I am nine hours from an ocean and I just watched the sunrise and I said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this. Oh, and it just does something on the inside. But here's the beauty is that there are still kingdom assignments. You can be satisfied, but don't settle there. You can be grateful for what you have, but there's still more right? And it's not just bigger houses and cars and all those things, right? Nothing wrong with that. But listen, but there's, there's kingdom stuff ready for you. There's assignments that God has attached to your life. There are dreams that God dreamed about before the foundations of the earth for your life. And he says, come and get them. Come and get them. Be satisfied, but don't settle. Amen. Amen. Can we just stand together real quick today as we, as we close out? I just want to take a moment to, uh, we're about to go into just a moment of worship, but but before we leave, I know I wanna get you out of here in just a second, but, but right now, right here, I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in some of us right now. Maybe if we can, we can, we can bow our heads and we can close our eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to operate, to move in this moment. And maybe for you, you're just, man, as I'm listening to this message today, the Holy Spirit just began to speak some things to me. There are some things that I know I need to lay down. Maybe for you, you're facing something really difficult in your life and you're saying, yeah, peace has been sapped from my life. I haven't had peace in a long time. It's been difficult to sleep at night. My mind races and runs and I have not found peace. I have not found satisfaction. Maybe for you, you're in a season that you didn't expect to be in right now. And it's been hard for you to get your hands around some joy. And you're saying, I just need some restoration in these areas of my life. I need need God to fill me. And today I wanna choose to put my trust in Jesus because I recognize, man, I've been trusting in my circumstances to give me some things that they were never supposed to give me. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, that's you. You're saying, I, I want that today. I need that restoration today. Just lift your hand right where you are. Just go ahead. Just lift it up. Yeah, we're praying together. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I see that. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. This is you. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? You're saying, I need that. I need that joy, the peace again. I need to trust in Jesus again. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. For some of you in the room right now, listen, you, you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. As we said, man, we can always be grateful because Jesus came and he saved us and delivered us and, he, and he, he shed his blood so that we could be forgiven to cover our sin. And he was raised to new life so that we could be alive in him. The Bible says that when you believe in your heart, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life, that you will be saved. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, you're saying, I want to call on the name of Jesus today. I'm asking you to join a church or a religion. I'm asking you to start a fresh start in relationship with Jesus today. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you are so I know who I'm praying with. Okay, awesome. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. And I just, I didn't plan on saying this, but I, I feel maybe there's someone in the room right now that you're believing to get pregnant. Or maybe you're connected. Maybe you have a son, a daughter, a family member, somebody that you know, and they're believing to get pregnant in their life. And I just feel to share right now, the Holy Spirit's saying, I wanna, I wanna help deliver those things into your life. Maybe, maybe it's you or maybe it's somebody you know. If that's you, go ahead, lift up your hand right now so I know who I'm praying with. Okay, awesome, yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you, awesome. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray for you, but then I'm gonna release you as we worship to come down to the front and just receive prayer. We have prayer partners right here in the front that wanna just believe with you. They wanna connect with you. And that might be a scary step, but I'm telling you, as you step out, God's gonna do something significant. He's called you to biblical community. So Father, in Jesus' name, I just bless this community. God, we thank you, Lord. You're moving, you're speaking, you're having your way. So God, we pray right now, salvation in this place. God, we thank you, Lord. We call on you today to fill our hearts and our lives in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for joy and for peace and for hope like never before. God, that they would walk out of these doors differently than they walked in because of trusting in Jesus and choosing gratitude, saying I'm satisfied, but I will not settle. Right here in my season, there is more, and I need to lift the lid of my thinking and my perspective and trust God for the more that he has in my life. Lord, I thank you for those who are believing right now for for pregnancy, God. We speak to wombs to be opened in the name of Jesus. God, anything that is uh, not aligned, Lord, anything that is off, God, we thank you for divine alignment in the name of Jesus. And I just prophesy right now, Lord, over those who have been barren, that you will have fruitful lives. Lord, that you will have children in the name of Jesus. We receive, we release our faith, and God, we thank you for it. Lord, I thank you even now. You're stirring, Lord, a heart for adoption and foster care in the lives and the hearts of other people. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. We say yes and amen to that. Lord, just saying yes to the gospel in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen, amen. Come on, as we worship, I just want you to come down to the front, pray with those if you need them, and uh, but otherwise you are dismissed.